uh, me to come and have a little bit of a discussion or talk about uh, MAF. Um, as you know, John and Helen are long-time supporters, and uh, a few of you, uh, we've, we've been getting together every couple of years um, for, a, for a barbecue or, a, or an, an evening um, home group or, or whatever over the over some years now, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's been it's been great getting to know people from Comet Bay a little bit. Uh, it was interesting as we were praying then that I was uh, I was just ticking off in my mind as we were praying for South Sudan, and, and I realised that our team in South Sudan's just been withdrawn because of the um, the fighting there and hearing about some of the other countries where places I can't even talk about the stuff that MAF's doing. And uh, um, you know, the, every time you hear a, a something in the news, um, you sort of think, yeah, we've got a program there or we've got a people base there or we've got something happening a little bit under the radar there. Um, and it's it's really weird, isn't it? Like you, <laughs> When you come back into the real world like here and you sort of, there's people praying for these unknown missionaries and you think yeah that's so and so and that's so and so you know and uh, it's just awesome to to know that you guys are praying and I just want to tell a quick story before I start um, there was a part there's a there's a doctor up in Kujup in which is out from Mount Hagen where we live for a number of years and Dr. Jim and uh, I heard this story the other day so I've got to tell you he was uh, he went back for for doing exactly what I'm doing now and he was talking to his home church and he was saying this was, uh, he was recounting a story of when he had been in Africa a couple of years before this, um, he'd, he'd gone back. So this was prior to his time in PNG. And um, he was talking to this home church and he said to them, um, you know, I, I was in, in this hospital in Africa and we need to get this medicine. We'd run out. These people, this child was going to die and the, own, the vehicle was broken down. The only way to get the stuff was to walk to the next town, which was 30 miles through the jungle, and uh, he um, and it was night, and so he said, "Well, I've just got to do it because I can't let this child die." So Dr. Jim ran 30 miles, and he could see this group of men following him, and he thought, "Oh, they're just going to rob me and take the money because he had the money to buy the, the drugs that this child needed." And he said, "Well," and just ran and he ran and he just couldn't run anymore. He got exhausted, so he, he said, "Well, Lord, I'll just leave it with you." And he and he just lay down under a tree and had a snooze. And he got up, and the men were still a long way off, and he just couldn't work out why they weren't catching up to him. And he, he got up and he kept running, and he got to the next hospital, he got the drugs, and then somebody gave him a lift back. Thank goodness he didn't have to run home. So the radio was broken as well, by the way. So it's a good story. He got back and he was talking to the church, his church support, and he he got literally to that point in the story. And um, oh no, he, sorry, a little bit more. And and when he got to the um, when he got to the hospital, and he got the drugs, he came out, and there was these men that had been following him. And they started shouting and yelling at him, and they, and he sort of, as a group, the guys from the hospital came with him, and they went and talked to these men, and they said, "Where were these men that were with you all night?" And he's saying, um, "No, I was there by myself." No, you had all those men with you, and um, we counted. There were eleven men standing there with you. And uh, the whole time, standing around you while you're sleeping, the whole time there's ten big men standing there and we couldn't come near you. And uh, this is recent. This is not, you know, distant history stuff. These are people we know. Um, and, and so do you think, okay. So he's telling his church and then this man just sprung up like he had an electric shock. When was that? And he's going, oh, you know, it was like, because in missionary, you only come back every four years. So he's sort of thinking, oh, it was the 25th of May. What year? Yeah, okay. That was a Tuesday. And they said, yeah, would have been a Tuesday. 
And then the man said, everybody who was at that Bible study on that night, stand up. And they all stood up and there was 11 of them. Now, I don't need to explain it any further, I don't think. You know, when we pray, when we're back here and we're praying for our missionaries, that's what's happening. And uh, so don't for a second think that it's just something nothing. It isn't. It's really important. You've done a fantastic job. You got it running. The man needs a new laptop. I'll just throw in that little comment. Um, <laughs> um, we're with uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship, and um, you can just run the movie if you like, and then we'll go from there. Stop it there. Missed. Come and help us. So now we are. I think the buffering is just playing up, but um, we've got um, we've actually got that video. If anyone's interested in watching it um, at home, but um, basically MAF. Um, the gist of the movie is um, that MAF is reaching the lost and the, and people that are um, are really in in a dire strait around the world. Our 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 our, uh, our motto is. Um, reaching, uh, transforming people in Christ's name and uh, we're, um, oh there we go, we've got the video, we've got that up. Uh, Margaret and I are based in, in Mariba. Now we've spent, uh, we've been there nearly 19 years with MAF and we spent seven years in Alice, two years up in Arnhem Land and five years in P&G and uh, now we're up in, uh, in Mariba doing the heavy maintenance type work. Um, Mariba's up near Cairns, if you don't know where it is, and uh, we do the, the fly-in, fly-out engineering support, uh, engineering training, and, uh, and then next year we'll be starting some pilot training as well. Um, and uh, I just thought I'd tell you a couple of, a couple of short stories about um, the work that, um, that we've been doing over the last couple of years. Uh, if you go to the next one, that'd be great. Awesome. So in Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the sheep and the goats. And then he talks about what the king says. And the king said, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer me, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. We'll go to the next one. 
So Bangladesh is a place that I get up to probably three or four times a year. Um, in Bangladesh, there's 150 million people, so I'm really cold. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm struggling a bit here. I'm just really cold. Oh, man, when I got off the plane on Friday, I thought, oh, my goodness, it's going to die. Um, it's 97% Muslim and 0.03% Christian, and life is really cheap. If we go to the next slide, it's fantastic. You see the people sitting on the train? I keep trying to get a really good photo of it, but like you can actually see at times the entire top of the train just covered with people because if you sit on top, you ride for free. I'm not sure that Westra will be up with that. I don't know. Um, transport, Transperth wouldn't be into that? No. Yeah, that's true. You get up amongst the um, power. They wouldn't worry, actually. They'd just duck. Um, so life is really cheap. And 80% of the land is covered with water for eight months of the year. So in order to provide um, relief and support to all the many NGOs and the Christian workers that we work with in, in Bangladesh, we have a float plane. And uh, this is it. Next one. There it is. It's a lovely Cessna Grand Caravan. Oh, sorry, Standard Caravan. And it's amphibious, so the wheels go up and down. And... Uh, the privilege of, uh, of being able to go up there and fix that every couple of, um, every couple of months when there's a problem. I'm the avionics guy in, in Mariba, so I'm the regional avionics manager, so I look after everything in the region. So our region covers Asia-Pacific area, so Papua New Guinea, Arnhem Land, um, East Timor, Bangladesh, and till recently Cambodia. And so from Mariba, we're able to provide avionics support for IAM. I provide avionics support to to those programs. And avionics is the electronics in the planes, if you're wondering. So um, somebody's got to keep all the lights and whistles going. And um, that's our, our lovely caravan. Now, that aircraft is able to, to land on the waterways and go straight up to the villages. So, um, and being in a Muslim country, they focus really heavily on doing a lot of medi medivacs, a lot of medical work. They work with Medicine Sun Frontiers. They work with... Uh, um, mercy ships, they work with a whole lot of NGOs and that way MAF's able to, to be there in the country and we've been there for 30 years so the fact is we're able to um, then also support the churches. Now this chap that you see leaning up against the float is a guy called Raju. Now Raju is a really nice guy and he's one of the 0.03% he's a pretty rare chap and he's also a very very smart chap he, um, it's really funny, you get the pilots and they're flying the plane and they're landing on the water and they're, I'm, I'm the captain, I'm the captain. And Raju's job is, he's the boatman, right? Because it's a boat attached to an aeroplane. You imagine that, right? So you're landing on the water, you've got these two big floats. Somebody's got to run the ropes, dodge the prop, all that sort of stuff because the thing's still spinning while you're trying to land and sort of pull up to the bank and all that sort of stuff. So he runs out on the floats and throws the anchor and pulls the thing in. But he's more than that because he knows the water better than the captain's. So the captains will lay in the water and they go, oh, I'm just going to turn around and point this. Oh, boss, do you think maybe you should, you know, just watch that? Yeah, there's a log there. And like, oh, yeah, okay, we're going to, you know. So who's really in charge on the water is, I suspect, is Raju, but we don't say that because the captains would get all, get their feelings hurt, I suspect. But uh, um, Raju's an awesome guy. He's got a wonderful Christian family. I uh, went to his church, I had the opportunity of going there. And it's a bit different to here. Uh, they, they, live in a, they have a church in a basement. There's probably two or three hundred. It's hot, it's sweaty, it's stinky. Um, and they're just praising God just wall to wall, which is the same as here, but just packed in, eh? like really crowded. Um, and I, some of the stories I heard were unbelievable. The pastor was talking about 
um, his life, his week, and then this old lady, she was 70 years old, I asked, she was actually 70, she looked older, stood up and she said she was praising God, I couldn't understand a word, it's all in bungla, right, okay, so she was telling the story about this week, she was praising God, because when she went to the village, sorry, when she went to the marketplace, this is in the city of Dakar, she'd gone to the marketplace, this week she had only been beaten up twice for talking about Jesus. And she was praising God. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there with my mouth hanging open because the Raju's sitting there translating it all. I'm just going, you can't be serious. Like, is that really what she just said? And, and the pastor was saying that, you know, they were so praised that they hadn't been attacked in the house, you know, for some weeks. And there was all this stuff that's praising God for all this stuff. If any one of these things that happened to us, we'd be questioning whether or not we should be looking for another place to live or another maybe not another faith, but certainly wondering if we're maybe pushing too hard or something. But these guys are amazing warriors for Christ. And to have the opportunity of meeting them and spending some time with them was just, just extraordinary. Raju's sister had a baby and it had um, water on the brain encephalitis, but the one that makes your head really... Do you know that one? The, the, the baby just got, got a massive head and was going to just... You know, they said, what's well, it, it's going to die because uh, they had no money and Raju sent me an email and said boss, can you help? and I said, well, how can we not help? so we just asked the guys at work we had no time they literally had to operate that day because um, it was happening so quickly so we just, I said, went around the room to the guys, well, we only need 1500 can we, what can we do? and so everybody just put their hand in their pocket and we found the money like in an hour and ra- emailed him back and said, yep, money's on its way get it done and so the next day went into hospital and they drained it put in a shunt they put a shunt right in their neck and and this kid is fine it's just going to have a slightly bigger head until its body catches up but apparently intelligence is fine like the, the swelling came down but it's their head gets a bit bigger um gorgeous little kid and bright as a button you know and just just think wow you know to be involved in that process one-on-one is just it's awesome fun it's just great to see what the lord is doing We'll go to the next one. So pray for Raju. His whole family, his wife is a Christian, but the rest of his family really is not happy with what, what he's done. Basically, if you're a Muslim you become a Christian, you're excommunicated, and there's normally someone trying to kill you as well. So it's, it's not a great option. Um, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29.11. We all know it. Well, we saw it in action last year. Um, Alligator Air went broke up in Kununurra. I think you all heard this story. But, uh, and uh, they, um, part of their assets were five turbo GA8s, which were about four years old, and uh, they came up for auction. And I had the opportunity of going over and having a look at them. And I said, well, the engines are all cooked, but everything else is okay. So maybe... This could be an opportunity for math. So um, we talked about it and prayed about it and uh, the Lord opened a series of doors which involved huge amounts of money. They talked to one, one donor in Europe and they said, yep, here's the money, just like that. It was miracle stuff all the way through. And so we found ourselves in, um, in sunny Kununurra <laughs> and it was hot. And Ke- you go to the next one, I think the next one's Kevy working under a tent. There's our hangar. So we, we've got that from the K 
camping store and we stood in the sun and we rebuilt them one by one to get them flyable. So that was hilarious, six weeks uh, exercise. Kevy and I went out for the first three weeks and we got two of them going. And then um, we loaded the engines and props out of the first two that we flew over. We put them in the back of the I-load and then we drove them back from Mariba, which is 3,000 k's. So backwards and forwards, the poor little I-load's done a Mariba to Kununurra three times now. So it's, um, it was amazing. And God's, uh, this is Normanton. It's a beautiful sunset, um, getting both planes to Normanton. That was the last two coming out. Uh, and I had the privilege of flying three of them back, so I had a, I had a fun time, but 9.3 hours is a long time sitting in a GA8 pointing in a straight line. Um, but it was, it was awesome. And uh, that's, if you just go back one, that'd be awesome. Oh, no, back one, back two. That's all right. Um, that was the uh, P2MFG, which was the first of the Project Croc aircraft that we were able to get that one all ready, uh, put a pod on it, new paint scheme, new avionics, all new interior, and um, got it out to PNG, and it's already up there operating. And uh, the next photo shows it up there in, in Hagen. It's over there on the right, sort of cut off by the photo. But the guys are all sitting there waiting for the cloud to lift, so I couldn't, you know, see... We, we call them seagulls a bit sometimes. You've got to throw rocks at them to make them go fly, but... Um, no, not, not really. That's just, just a rude pilot joke that some of the engineers use sometimes. But uh, Now, these are awesome guys. Uh, they've been there a long time, some of them, and uh, that's Mike Duncalf. He's been up there 20, over 25 years. So. And uh, Richard's been there 18 years. Um, and you never know what God's going to do because um, this young man is... Um, that photo doesn't come through. That is Andrew Hatfield. If you've probably heard of his dad, Rob Hatfield... Um, with Matt for many, many years. And I met Andrew in Kununurra and he came up to me and he said, so what do you think, 32-year-old, am I too old to look at this becoming an aircraft engineer and I, you know, with Math?" And I went, mate, if you're serious and it's what God's telling you, it'll work. And uh, here he is, an apprentice with us in Mariba after only a few months, which is, he set, just about set a record for the time to actually get through. So just pray that those aircraft will be blessed in their use, um, mightily f- uh, for the work in PNG, Arnhem Land and East Timor, because that's the three places the five aircraft are going. And um, also just pray for a blessing on Andrew as he starts his career with MAF and in a whole new industry. He's a great worker, awesome, awesome guy. It's just such a blessing to have. You know, you get some guys and they're sort of, they're okay. And then you get some guys and you go, wow, <laughs> where'd he come from? And uh, he's like that. It's just such a blessing to have him there. So... Um, yeah, it's cool. We'll go to the next one. So that's just a bit of a slide shot of um, the Hagen hangar up there on the right. There's a new hangar being built. That's one of our otters. There's uh, MFG sitting there. And uh, it's a bit of like one of those panned shots with the photo. It doesn't come out that well on the green wall, but anyway, that's okay. We'll go to the next one. All right. Um, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, Philippians 3.3. 3. A couple of years ago, I was in East Timor. We'll go to the next photo. And uh, I was working with Leo. This is the, they've got like a temporary hangar there. It's like a big canvas thing. Um, it's really good. But um, I was working with Leo Hume, who was there as the, as the pilot. And... Uh, we were doing, um, I was doing some installation work. We'll go to the next couple. 
we're just doing some install work, putting in a, a satellite tracker and a satellite phone and a few things and, and doing the 100 hourly on the engine for him. And I had the opportunity of going to um, the little, little church that he was going to and this lady came up, she was telling me this, all this wonderful story in Indonesian, which I understand one word, which is Tadamakasi, which I think means thank you, otherwise I've been offending people for a long time. Um, Anyway, she had this big, long story, and, uh, and I was listening to it, and I was, I was going, yeah, okay, she's really intense. And I, in the car on the way back with Leo, I said, well, what, what is she talking about? And, and he said, oh, she asked me three questions. And I thought, oh, okay. She said, if you're sick in, if you're sick in, in uh, Australia, can you just go to the hospital and they'll just look after you, with, even if you don't have any money? And Leo had said, yeah, that's correct. And he said, oh. And then she said, if you kids need um, education, which kids do, obviously, um, not that they all want it, um, and you want to send your kids to school and you don't have any money, can you just send your kids to school and the government will just pay for your kids to go to school for free? And, she, and, and Leo goes, yeah, that's right. He said, is it true in Australia that if you don't have a job, you, uh, the government will actually give you money while you're looking for a job? And... Um, that's probably changed in the last couple of months. I don't know. But it depends on your age, apparently. But, um, and, she, and, he, and, uh, and Leo said, yeah, that's right. And she said a very profound thing. She said, it must be very difficult to be a Christian in your country. And it made me think, where do we put our confidence? We'll go to the next couple. Oh, that was scary. Keep going. East Timor is a very religious country, um, so much so that that is a terrible. Sorry, you can't really see it, but that's, there's a whole lot of people in that lower area there, and that that's probably um, 60, 70 feet high. That ta- that tower. It's a bit similar to the one in. Um, it's about half the size of the one in in, in Rio, and uh, but it was built by um, I think Sakano um, built it because of the um, the strong Catholic. Um, um, like, yeah, in, in East Timor, the, the number of Catholics in East Timor. And, he, and his wife said, they, they need something because we're all Muslims and they're Catholics. We should do something nice for them. So uh, Sakano built that an amazing tower. Um, and so they're very, pro, they're very Christian. They're very religious, but they, they don't have a, a strong Christian base. And so Amaf's able to be involved in that. And uh, I just want to have a little bit of a look at this Philippians 3.3. 3. So what Paul's saying is that a Christian must not put their trust in an external set. So I'll read that again. For, we are, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, we who boast in Christ Jesus and do not put our confidence in the flesh. What Paul's saying is that a Christian must not put their trust in an external set of rituals for their salvation, but in their relationship with Christ. And I do wonder if sometimes we, we, we do put our confidence in the things we have and the things we do and our, our capabilities. Um, we'll go up to the next one. Yeah, well done. Uh, whatever, we, whatever gains and whatever gain, were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing <coughs> worth of knowledge, Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
for whose sake I have lost all things. So Paul's talking, prior to this, Paul's talking about his, you know, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he was, you know, he was a Jew, he was, you know, persecuting Christians, he did everything that the world was saying was, was being a good religious person, but he now considers that all to be lost, all to be garbage. And, you know, if you sort of think about it, it's a bit like um, an AFL player suddenly come, falling, you know, coming to the light and discovering that um, NRL is really the way to go and just walking away from it, you know, it would be a, a massive shock. You say it the other way around if you're on the other side of the country. But that's exactly what he was really doing. He had everything together from their perspective, but he was in walking away from it and saying, no, that's just garbage because seeking Christ is the most important thing. So where do we put our confidence? I used to put my confidence in my stuff quite a lot. And being um, a misho, you learn to give your stuff up. Um, you've got to sell stuff like your plane, your car, your, um, eventually your house sometimes, um, and, and pack your life, some, like in our case, up into about 12 44-gallon drums. And that's your confidence. Well, there's no point because that stuff may never even arrive at the country you're going to. So you don't put your confidence in your stuff. You don't put your confidence in yourself because... Ultimately, God is in control. And uh, for me, going into the mission field taught me to give things up to God, and even my family. And I'd love to tell you some stories about that, but we won't go on. Um, Likewise, in our relationship with Christ, maybe we need to give up to God the very things that we put our confidence in if it's not him. 27, next one. Awesome. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You'd be looking pretty hard to find a better exhortation for striving on in the Christian walk anywhere in the Bible. It's written by a man who knew prison, torture, ultimately gave his life in the service to Christ. But it's important to consider that Paul isn't saying he knows it all or is, or is now perfect. Quite the opposite. He's saying it's a journey and we're all on that. We're all on that same journey together. And if you have time this week, have a read through Philippians 3. I've truncated it terribly, and uh, I feel bad about that, but I I knew you didn't want to stand here for an hour, so um, everyone will freeze to death. So um, We've got ice cream to warm you up. Exactly right. So we'll we'll skip through. We probably won't try and run the next movie because I think it'll glitch, so just go to the next one. Um, So this is us. Everyone's getting bigger, except for me. I seem to be getting shorter. I don't know what's going on there. Um, William's actually taller than me now, so that's, the photo was only taken um, eight months ago, and now he's actually shot up, and he's actually taller than me, so it's pretty scary. Um, and uh, it's, it would have been great for them to be here today, but um, with William doing year 11 and everything, you just can't pull them out of school anymore like we used to. You get in a lot of trouble with the schools. <laughs> um, it doesn't help. Uh, and uh, we're hoping for uh, people to take prayer cards I didn't bring one up, I meant to Um, please grab some material down the back particularly a prayer card and if you don't get our newsletter uh, or you'd like to get it what we're doing is we're trying to do a one out by email every couple of months um, two to three months and then we're doing probably two mail outs a year because the mail outs take so much time and they're getting quite expensive with letters being what they are so, um, yeah, please, um, please write your name on a prayer card and hand me the tear-off thing or whatever and uh, grab one down the back. 
And as you can see, prayer is really paramount to our work. And uh, if you'd commit to, to pray for us, um, that would be huge. Um, and without your prayers, we'd be, we really would be stuck. So um, if you would like to help us and be involved with uh, this work of MAF, um, please don't go home without talking to me. Thank you very much.